Good evening, America. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to your Wednesday night edition of The Sea Report. This is episode number 446, and today is Wednesday, December 8th, 2022. I am your host, Mr. C, as per the usual. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday evening and that your day has been just as well. I uh, had a very great afternoon over at Lone Star State News uh, today. Uh, again, talking the uh, Speaker of the House issues and uh, kind of delving into uh, some of the particulars of uh, what that House Speaker has the ability to do. You know, I found a very interesting mirror in today's episode, since we're talking about the Speaker of the House, not only for the state of Texas, at least at Lone Star State News, but also on the national level with this whole thing over McCarthy and, uh, you know, everything that's happening on that. Uh, it's an interesting mirror, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to note. I think, uh, well, I discovered at least maybe some of um, my esteemed audience members knew this yesterday. But uh, had no idea that uh, the United States of America had not had a conservative or Republican Speaker of the House in 40 years. And that changed in like 93, 94. Interesting enough, the same exact thing occurred in the Texas State House. Now, the Texas uh, State House had not had a Republican Speaker in a hundred and some odd years and then uh, they got a speakership, uh, you know, in the late, what was it, in the 2000s, I think, or late 90s, early 2000s, right? So, I mean, the Democrats still pretty much controlled the Texas House throughout the end of last millennium. Uh, but, you know, as soon as we rolled into the new millennium, we had we've had nothing but Republican control of the uh, Texas House. I just thought that was an interesting mirror, you know, that we have a situation almost similar on a national front that we have at a state level, uh, except, of course, that uh, Texas hadn't had a Republican or a conservative speaker, it seems like, ever, you know, 130 some odd years, you know, between their previous one, if they even have that, had that back. I didn't dig that far into Texas history. I just thought that was an interesting mirror. Anyhow, so we're talking about that today. We're talking about the uh, Texas GOP caucus, right? Uh, for those of you out there that are not aware of what a caucus is, I mean, it's basically a gang, a clique, a group of lawmakers and policymakers. That's all it stands for. It's a, it's it's a fanciful word that sounds that feels dirty coming out of your mouth, and I'm sure that's why they call themselves the caucus because you ain't gonna have any conservative person going around saying la, la, that's a bad caucus. We need to get a hold of that caucus, and we need to we need to cut the head off that caucus, right? I mean, no one's gonna say that. It sounds nasty right okay so i'm like was that part of the strategy no i i'm i'm being i am being totally silly right there guys but you know it makes one think you know because what we've learned about the texas gop caucus which i'm curious to know if other states in this union if their gop caucus or whatever their gop click or gang calls themselves you know i wonder if there's mirrors texas you know we learned that in texas the gop caucus the bylaws written for members of that caucus which are just your regular state representatives who happen to be republican okay they have to live and die literally by these bylaws you know the bylaws of the texas gop caucus supersede the united states constitution because they strip 
Republican lawmakers who oppose rhinos and those who do not do the wills of their constituents, okay? In the GOP caucus, okay, if you speak out, you exercise your First Amendment right against rhinos, you know what happens? You get censored, you get barred, you get kicked out of uh, out of closed door meetings, you get punishment, there are reprisals. You know, don't 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 we feel, don't we think, don't we see? I mean, what do you guys think? Is that not antithetical to the entire existence of our Bill of Rights, that our lawmakers are stripped of their First Amendment right to speak their conscience, to vote their conscience, without fear of reprisal, without fear of punishment. Okay, that is what's happening at the state level, ladies and gentlemen. Do you see why it has never been so more important to turn your eyes to the state and local level and really give them a look over? You know, the MSM, the rhinos of the world, even the Fox News is right. They're all globalist operatives. OK, they want us to talk about Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They don't want you talking about Dade Thielen, Charlie Guerin, Stephanie Click, Jeff Leach, Tom Oliverson. They don't want you talking about your state level rhinos. They'd rather you focus on the high hanging fruit, the, you know, the ones that you cannot reach to, ladies, you know, the ones that you could never pick or pick off, ladies and gentlemen. They don't want you talking about your state GOP caucus. They don't want you talking about your state GOP House Speaker. Most of them are probably rhinos. Now, you know, I know from state to state and commonwealth to commonwealth that, uh, you know, things are run a little bit differently, but I kind of wonder, how is your state house, America? Do they run it as crooked and deceptively as they do in the state of Texas? And furthermore, are Texans hearing this, especially the ones that want to move the needle forward on restoring this republic, ladies and gentlemen, is kind of my question. But, uh, you know, that very interesting stuff when you start looking into it, 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 I just find it so amazing in a very disgusting way, ladies and gentlemen, in a very pejorative way. It is very amazing to me, quite dumbfounding, that our own Texas GOP basically hobbles cripples, neuters, castrates, or otherwise puts any lawmaker in a state of duress should they decide to go against the gang, the grain. Gang gang, are you going to let that happen now, Texas? Okay. So I, I would urge members of the audience who are kind of curious about why they might have a, uh, you know, a conservative or Republican majority or supermajority, but they can't seem to get anything done. Well, we know it's because of the rhinos, but are we going to just keep on saying it's all the rhinos' fault, it's all the Democrats' fault, or are we going to be that remedy that we are as provided in our founding documents, ladies and gentlemen? That is the question, okay? And now to get them on record is another thing. You know, that is the value of uh, going into trial and actually getting that trial looked at. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we know that we have the uh, corrupt judicial system, the corrupt judiciary, the corrupt judicial industry, okay? We know we're dealing with that. Okay, in fact, that's the reason why it's uh, that's the reason why some of us can carry on without getting too uh, demoralized because we already know this is going to happen. We're expecting it, and as part of that expectation, well, it kind of lessens the blow when it happens in real time, you know. 
but that takes a little bit of work to get under your belt as well, ladies and gentlemen. So anyhow, anyways, guys, so for tonight, we will be talking about the Twitter files. That's right. You know, last night I had scheduled to do the Twitter files, uh, but we got off and on to uh, Carrie Lake and what was going on with her case. Of course, just, you know, quick recap. Uh, the judge Thompson basically threw out the case after he suspended uh, or, or restrained eight of the 10 facets of the Lake legal team's case against Maricopa County. Uh, judge Thompson um, basically turned the trial into something that had nothing to do with the disenfranchisement of voters. Okay. And then in another interesting twist, I think this was more of a CYA move. Uh, Judge Thompson refused um, to have uh, the Hobbs team, the legal team, uh, the ability to sanction the Lake legal team. So I would say that this uh, case is going to move safely on to the next uh, courtroom uh, pending Carrie Lake's appeal. And uh, she did appeal the trial. So uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will move forward i'm sure and we'll find out what happens at the next jun juncture along the way as uh we continue to fight the fight to restore this republic and secure our elections in the courtroom ladies and gentlemen uh just some other quick things now i i've seen some uh, messages from like abe hamaday on twitter uh, he is talking out about the corrupt judges as well, throwing out his case, uh, you know, post haste and with extreme prejudice, it seems. Mark Fincham, this happened to as well. Uh, Mark Fincham is still in the fight. I got a, a, I received an email from him. You know, they send out their they send out their. Well, I don't want to say it's a campaign email, but, you know, it's a it is a uh, I guess it's a campaign email talking about the state of their uh, the state of their um, case, the trials, as well as uh, what's going on in that terms, but uh, yeah, Fincham's still going to appeal his as well. Right. And, and his, uh, his uh, case was thrown out with, uh, with no prejudice as well. Well, I take that back with extreme prejudice as well, just as bad as Hamaday's. Right. So, uh, but anyways, guys, so we'll, we'll keep up with that as we uh, move along into uh, the end of the week. You know, if anything develops out of that, we'll definitely make sure to bring it to you guys. But uh, for tonight, we are actually going to tackle to uh, handle, to read and acknowledge the Twitter files for as long as I can for the next two hours, right? Uh, you, we're going to go back to Twitter files number eight today, guys, because Twitter files number eight, I think, is another pivotal one, wherein we're talking about how the Pentagon was assisted by Twitter in their psychological operations, ladies and gentlemen. So I think that's something that we should really, really kind of dig into. And uh, Mr. Musk assigned that portion of the Twitter files to a journalist by the name of Lee Fang. Hopefully no relationship to Fang Fang, right? Uh, but anyways, I'm just playing, guys. I'm just, uh, you know me, all right? Uh, we'll also take a look at Twitter files drop number nine tonight. And that one uh, went back into the court of Matt Taibbi. And uh, Matt Taibbi uh, reported on the other governmental agencies that were colluding with Twitter since uh, the FBI was getting so much of the spotlight. And then we had three letter agencies going after Mr. Musk and the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the majority of the, uh, was it the, the uh, T D S journalist crowd, right? Okay. 
majority of them, they start going after these people, which is interesting because, again, now we see another example of the left media eating up their own, you know, and, and just trying to do anything to make it look like uh, they've always been on the uh, straight and narrow. America knows better than that. I think a good portion of America knew better than that quite some time ago. And, uh, well, most definitely now, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, We've got startling receipts coming out of the Mr. Musk Twitter drops. Uh, finally, the 10th Twitter drop um, so far, I believe we haven't had another one since, was the COVID-19 planned pandemic uh, I, influence operations, I guess, you know, the, the censorship operations, everything around COVID that was not to the benefit of the government, even if it was in support of the government, if it even mentioned COVID or the CDC everyone's tweets and accounts were on the chopping block, it seems. So we'll burrow into that tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I think I owe it to the audience as well as to everyone. I've been clickbaiting with Twitter files for the last two weeks. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That is definitely going to be on the uh, top of the list for this evening. We're not even going to get into any other news or views. We will do our Trump truths. We only had one prior to showtime. So uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at that in just a sec. I just want to pop into, just want to pop into some of the chat rooms real quick. See how you guys are doing out there, or if you guys are even there. What's going on, Justice Song? How good to see you. Justice Song says, "Wow, interesting fact. I like you got your, I like you got your neon dancer going, Justice Song. Good to see you tonight. Thank you for being here." All right, guys, you know, I'm I'm up against stiff competition. We got white hat on right now, don't we? Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, and Uncle Krusty's always on when I'm on. So that's cool. Anyways, you guys got some good choices. If you've already heard about the uh, see, uh, if you already heard about the Twitter file drops, I'll just be providing my amateur analysis tonight. So if you've already heard them, I'd say, hey, go hang out with white hat. Go hang out with Uncle Krusty. OK, go hang out with Salty Cracker. <laughs> Or insight Gino, okay, or you know, or or you know, someone uh, going out with Brooks. As <laughs> that's all we're doing tonight. Tonight is going to be a heavy reading show as we go through the uh, Twitter files. I'm sure that the uh, podcast uh, podcast audience will love today's episode, okay? Because there won't be too much uh, dead air, ladies and gentlemen. As I'll be doing some heavy reading today. You guys know that I'm inflicted with a very sick and uh, disparaging disease called I like to read, right? Anyways. So that happens here on the C report. Okay, so uh, we'll do that, guys, tonight. Um, let me see what else we got going on here before we get jumping. You know, since I mentioned the podcast, I would like to remind the audience that you can catch the C report, this very live stream. In podcast format as well. If you are a Spotify user, uh, you can also catch it in video format. Uh, undoubtedly, they have that ability. We we do that over there at Spotify. And uh, you can do that by going to anchor.fm slash the C report. And now if you go to that website, it'll it'll direct you to your favorite podcast app or platform, whichever one it might be. You know, we're on independence also. We're not just on the big tech ones like Spotify, Go Ogle, and Apple, you know, but uh, the C-Report managed to last on those stations. And I think it's in part because Spotify, who took over Anchor some months ago, uh, they censored the episodes 
they don't censor the content creator. So I think that's how I've lasted on, you know, Go Ogle and on uh, either that or I'm just too good of a rabbit to track, right? They're like, this one takes us to all the good people, right? And this one shows us all the things that we don't think about anyways. That's why they're pissed off that I'm putting my Twitter show behind a paywall, right? They're like, damn it, we're not going to be able to, you know, use his analysis anymore, right? I'm I'm making myself much more important than I am, guys. I just I'm just stroking my ego. Leave me alone. Okay, let's get into press. President Trump's uh, let's get into President Trump's truths, ladies and gentlemen, so we can hop right into Mr. Musk's Twitter drops, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we are here for today. That's why we got Twitter busting through the scenes uh, on our little show graphic for today. Oh, and by the way, can I tell you, America, the following show will be free and will always be free. And if you go to any of my Rumble, Twitter, Odyssey, Foxhole, Pilled Pages, it's all free. Okay. Don't get too bent out of shape that my Twitter show is going to be behind a paywall. I won't be doing any breaking news there. Anyways, see tweets that's coming next year. <laughs> that sounds like it's so far away, guys, but we're like, what, three days away from the new year? All right, guys, uh, a lot of stuff developing out of uh, Mr. CTV for 2023, and I'm looking forward to having you all there with me. And uh, yeah, just don't forget, I couldn't do it without you ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, you know, my stuff is always free. Everything is free. You know, I have over 27,000 minutes, uh, according to Spotify, of just the C report for last year, for this year, sorry, 2022. All free, always free, been free, never charged, okay? So if I want to charge for a Twitter show that has it's going to be fun. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Go to Rumble, go to Pilled, go to Odyssey, and you can check out the pilot show. Okay. We talked a lot of Texas stuff on that episode, but it won't always be Texas stuff. It just depends on where I care to engage for the episode. But anyways, that's coming up, guys. You can get a taste of it and uh, you can become a member of Mr. CTV at pill.net or at odyssey.com and uh you can catch the twitter shows it's called mr c tweets or c tweets a schedule pending but if you are a subscriber or a member you will have immediate and direct access when it is available i just haven't decided yet if i want to do like a 24-hour window where it's available and then, like, you know, put it behind a paywall afterwards. And, yeah, it sounds kind of funny saying that, but, you know, even some of my heroes who used to be on Twitch would have, like, a 24-hour period for their live shows and then they would put everything behind a paywall. And that was pivotal information that kind of wouldn't move the needle forward. But there were thousands of resources that those same content creators had where the same information was free. I'm not going to complain because I subscribe to these people, right? Because I valued their content and uh, I supported their cause. And then they got removed, which sucked. But uh, anyways, guys, that's not the point here. We're not to talk about my personal histories, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to talk about America first and election integrity. And it seems like today one of our focuses will be America first. So let's get into President Trump's truths for this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, prior to showtime, we only had one truth that was popping. I can't do whenever I forget to put the other portion of the Arizona flag up. I'm just like, Mr. C. Anyways, okay. All right, guys. So let's see what President Trump had to share with us today. Like I said, we only had about one. I'll check again right now after we finish uh, reading this statement from President Trump and his Truth Social account. 
to see if another one might have dropped in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. President Trump's truth goes like this, ladies and gentlemen. It has just been learned that the FBI office that is investigating Hunter Biden sent many censorship requests to keep all of his bad news confidential just prior to the 2020 election. In other words, the exact same people that were investigating him, air quotes, were making sure that he does not get any bad publicity. Only good publicity, please. This is an outrageous disgrace, and the same group that is after me on the boxes hoax, the January 6th Unselect Committee hoax, and the many past hoaxes and scams. Mm -hmm. So it has been learned that the FBI office that is investigating Hunter Biden sent many censorship requests to keep all of his bad news confidential just prior to the 2022 election. I don't know, guys. Where do you think this statement is rooted? Do you think it could have anything to do with things that are being revealed at Twitter? Could quite possibly be a beautiful synchronicity for tonight. We'll definitely like that one. Let me see if President Trump has uh, um, executed any newer. Yeah, he sure did. Look at that, guys. 51 minutes go one. Okay, we got uh, two new statements. Oh. And uh, worse than a Democrat. Yeah. And far more deadly, right? Because you can't see them coming until they have the knife in your back and then they're smiling in your face, right? The best gift Kentucky Republicans could ever give to the nation, the National Democrat Party. You guys remember when I did that episode about all the faces of Mitch McConnell? <laughs> all the faces of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell cannot smile. He always looks like he's like in pain. Or just extreme, or like he has to fart really bad, and he doesn't want to, you know, talk about it or anything like that. Anyways, uh, let's see here. Uh, hey, what's up, Soup Slurper? Slurper, excuse me, Soup Slurper over at Twitch. Soup Slurper says, "Hey, brother, have you ever heard about these libtards trying to accuse Trump of being a trans woman?" <laughs> bum she's a man no i actually i've not heard that i've heard them saying kyle rittenhouse is a lesbian a rubenesque one but i have not heard anyone say <laughs> i've not heard anyone say that about president trump okay although although no just kidding guys no i've never heard anyone say that about president trump soul slurper soup slurper soul slurper soup slurper i've never heard anyone say that that's kind of funny now, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, I've heard them say that and I've seen I've seen suggestive uh, photographs and uh, a human anatomy analysis comparisons. To, and he kind of does look like a lesbian. I'm not going to, you know, it's OK. It's OK. I don't care. Anyways, that's not the point. He's a national hero. Don't you dare say that about Kyle Rittenhouse anyways. But I don't believe it. OK, uh, I don't I mean, about Kyle, I don't believe that. I mean. I'm not saying that a butch lesbian couldn't do what Kyle did. I think that one who's trained very well could very well, you know, take out a pedophile and uh, all these other people that are after his life for, you know, their own racist reasons. OK, that I think people could accomplish. The fact that Kyle Rittenhouse was able to do that, I will still applaud, you know, because the man was protecting his life. 
and was protecting the lives of many other people who were endangered there. But now I have not heard about President Trump being a woman soup slurper. <laughs> I don't know, sir. I mean, maybe you've been listening to too much Linda Paris. Okay, I like Linda. Okay, but you know, anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. We're not here to talk about other content creators anymore. Okay, so uh, that's from Mitch McConnell. From Mitch McConnell. That's about Mitch McConnell. Okay. Okay, so we do have some new statements or truths from President Trump. Oh, so he did say something about Mitch, though. Let's see what President Trump had to say about Mitch. Thanks for being in the audience, Soup Slurper. Uh, it says, uh, something is going on with Mitch McConnell and all of the terrible and virtually automatic surrenders he makes to the Marxist Democrats. Like on the $1.7 trillion ominous bill. Could have killed it using the debt ceiling or made it much better in the Republican House. Nobody can be this stupid. Perhaps it has to do with his wife, Coco Chow McConnell. I love saying that name, even though I don't like saying it. Coco Chow. And their big relationships with China. A historic conflict of interest like no other. President Trump, I think we all know the conflicts of interest with the Biden crime family. They're probably a lot more historic. But you know what? For the sake of the Republican Party, yeah, Mitch McConnell, will, he could take cake, all right? He, he can be the Biden of the, Mitch, of, the, uh, of the Mitch McConnells. He can be the Biden of the Republican Party, right? I mean, I would put Chuck Grassley as the Biden of the Republican Party, honestly, you know? But uh, it is what it is. I, I'm sorry, guys. I cannot, I cannot go soft on Chuck Grassley anymore, guys, even though I do. I, I did feel, you know, because the other night, when not the other night, but I was clipping out an episode because I have to do that. I do that myself. Right. So like, uh, you know, I'm like, I can't believe I said that I cannot, you know, I normally don't say things like that, you know, wh where I, I did say Chuck Grassley, you know, where you can be six feet under. That's just that is something ugly I do not normally like to say about people that make me irate. So I did have a certain feel about that. I mean, some of you people might feel a certain way about that. Well, I don't care how you feel about how I feel. Okay. So like, all I know is like, dang, I probably shouldn't have said that, you know, even though I might've felt like that, but like, I mean, really, really guys, I mean, it, it, love thy enemies, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm saying. It's hard work and I cannot do it all the time. But I try. Anyways, so uh, Chuck Grassley, I would put you against Biden. And, and and I would still think Chuck Grassley could beat Biden, you know. But Chuck Grassley betrayed President Trump two weeks after an endorsement, ladies and gentlemen. And not to mention he was he was he was ec simply ecstatic to have a Nazi in the in the halls of the Capitol and to welcome a Nazi sympathizer and a Nazi uh, collaborator. Okay, into the Capitol. I just cannot get down with that, Chuck Grassley, and I cannot get down with your betrayal of President Trump. You showed your true colors, Chuck Grassley. Be you alive for 10 days or 100 more years. Maybe you could fix what you did. I don't know, sir, but you know what? You really pissed me off. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't want to see you six feet under. I just want to see you do the right thing by the American people and by the Constitution, sir. That's all I want, okay? I mean, could I ask for anything else, right? You know? Anyways, guys, okay, let's move on to the next President Trump truth. And let me go ahead and actually, <laughs> because it has Mitch McConnell's like, oh my God, I think I farted <laughs> face. 
<laughs> I'm going to go ahead and retweet this. Where did it go? Where did you go? Come back over here. Where did you go, Cocaine Mitch? You can't hide from me, sir. Okay, where'd you go? There he goes. Okay, there he Show me Cocaine Mitch's face. <laughs> He's like, uh-oh, I farted in front of Kamala. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to like that and we're going to retruth it just because I just I could laugh at cocaine Mitch's face all day long. Okay, you guys got to go back to that episode where we did a uh, comparative analysis of all of the faces of cocaine Mitch, right? From when he needs to pass gas to when he actually passed the gas okay, <laughs> to where he's been found out for lying to where he's gotten away with lying. He has a face like that too. It's when his frown, it turns up in the corners. He's like, ha ha ha, I got away with it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. Oops, sorry, guys. I unplugged myself. I might freeze for a minute. What's going on, Patet Moss? Uh, Patet Moss asks a question. Uh, I'm not sure I understand. I know what that is, sir. Let me see. Ah, Boxing Week. Is that what Romjo... Oh, that's Norwegian for... That is Norway. So, uh, Patet Moss, I hope you're having a happy holiday season, first of all, sir. Thanks for popping in. And uh, he asks, how is your Romjul so far? Thank you so much. Uh, you just gave me a wrinkle in my brain. Romjul, a Norwegian term for the period between Christmas and New Year's that's meant for spending time at home with friends and family. I love the way that sounds, Romjul. I mean, Romjul, uh, Patet Moss uh, says, Romjul is what we call the week between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. That is so cool. Thank you. I love learning new things like that. Um, my Romjul so far is going very well, Patet Moss. I hope yours is doing well and that uh, you've had a great, uh, a great spirited uh, holiday uh, season so far. You know, I'm not sure how the Norwegians uh, do like the Christmas New Year's thing compared to the Americans, but hey, all in the spirit of family, friends, and uh, and light and love, I think. If we keep the holidays in that vibration, um, we can't go wrong, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, Patet Moss says, being with my parents was really nice, but the weather said no. Oh, man, we had some pretty bad weather here in the States in the Northeast. Uh, hopefully, I mean, considering that Norway is uh, far more north and far more east than New York, I hopefully you guys are okay up there. So uh, thanks again for popping in, Patet Moss. Good to see you. Good to see you, sir. We are just making fun of Cocaine Mitch. Have you ever heard of Cocaine Mitch? Okay. <laughs> Do you have any politicians like this in your uh, in your nation? I mean, I wouldn't doubt it, right? I mean, not, not that it's because Norway's corrupt. It's just because they're everywhere, right? They're everywhere. Anyways, guys. Uh, let's go. Hey, Sean Joe. How you doing, sir? Sean Joe says, hola, Mr. C. Hey, Sean Joe. Thanks for gifting the cookie. Did you see how I, I adjusted the name? of uh the uh c uh mr c subscribers oh, the c team i should say we're the c team right when the a team fails and the b team is caught up on contracts so they can't save america you call in the c team okay <laughs> i'm just having fun with it guys anyways welcome c team members always great to see you guys in the audience 
Patet Ma says, I haven't paid attention to politics in ages. Well, you know, sometimes I can't blame anyone for that. You know, I can't blame anyone for not wanting to engage in this uh, in this atmosphere. Okay, I'm so you know, Patet Moss. I, that's how I lost all my hair. Just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. I was balding well before I got on the air. Anyways, okay. So, getting back to President Trump's truths for today. Uh, this one is an hour removed, so it's pretty much hot off the press, ladies and gentlemen. It goes this way was just advised that the unselect committee of political thugs as withdrawn the subpoena of me concerning the January 6th protest of the crooked 2020 presidential election. They probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in rigging the election played into their decision in any event, the subpoena is dead. Ding dong, the subpoena's dead, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Okay. Well, I am. I think that's something worth celebrating, don't you guys? I mean, it might be a small celebration, but uh, you, you never know, ladies and gentlemen. You never know. Uh, let's see here. What does uh, Patet Moss says? We have a song about one of ours, though, made by the guys that made... What does the fox say? Dones that count. <laughs> Wait, dones. I'm not sure if that's a word I'm supposed to know. <laughs> Ones that count. That's does that count? Oh, okay. Oh, I see. You made a song about one of y'all's politicians. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, that counts. I don't see why not. That's actually kind of a form of uh, of political activism if you if you think about it. i mean that's what it was back in the like the summer of the 1960s right i mean all of the political activist poetry music artwork then got confused for postmodernism okay <laughs> i can't believe i used to be a fan of the postmodernist guys i mean i was pretty ignorant i didn't know that even though these guys were going on about art and all these things about life and psychedelic drugs that they were also marxists okay because that's something that they don't really tell you about when they're teaching you about the postmodernists in high school. Okay, they just paint them as these awesome, wonderful, eclectic individuals that believed in, uh, you know, progressivism and pushing the boundaries and stuff like that. But uh, truth of the matter is most of them were Marxists, some of them were pedophiles, and some of them were Satanists. And these are the people that, uh, that were the foundation of radical poetry, literature, and art in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, ladies and gentlemen. And it started with... Uh, the Dadaist movement, I think, is where they really started getting into uh, obstructing things natural and beautiful according to nature, right? And, and turning things on their head. And then, you know, Picasso was also involved in all of that, too, guys. I don't know if you all are aware with it. One of my oldest heroes was John Cocteau. That's a French surrealist artist and Dadaist. And he hung out with all of those people, ladies and gentlemen. And they had a French transgender uh they had a french transgender no she wasn't no was she french i think she was french her name was babette she was transgender she was a uh high wire gymnast thingamajigger i mean some of the people from europe might know this history you know but and we're not talking about nijinsky nijinsky was russian or something like that and he was a he was a male ballet dancer all of this stuff in the night and they were all in the same groups and they all worked 
even 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 Trotsky was involved with these people, and we all know who Trotsky is, right? And he was involved with like Frida Kahlo, and the and that was all happening, guys. At the same, all of this stuff happened at the same time, like Cold War stuff, you know, uh, all of that. It's very interesting history, and you know, it's 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 also very interesting to note that a lot of these people have deep state ties per family bloodlines, you know, and you wonder why they're pushing certain novels, ideas, or, you know, anything like that in the schools, publicly speaking. I mean, these people were all in uh, inbred. They were all married into the bloodlines and to the globalists, the oligarchs and stuff like that. Anyways, guys, that's stuff that we don't talk about too much here at the Sea Report. You know, we might talk about that during one of our other shows, like Sea in the Dark or something like that. But eh, it's some interesting history, guys. And it's also interesting how they omit all that information in school. But, you know, they omit that they're teaching CRT and they omit that they're teaching kids how to get confused and be gender benders. And so uh, I guess that kind of follows the pattern of omission for public education and the indoctrinization of American children. OK, all right. I would say omitting the facts about these Marxist postmodern artists and writers and poets is 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 a start towards the indoctrination that we see today because the the marxist uh the marxist uh you know uh, postmodernists they were among some of my heroes i had no idea okay you think a 13 year old person is going to go look up communism and see that uh you know uh some of your heroes were all involved in that crap especially in a time period when communism sounds weird coming out of your mouth because it sounds so archaic that i believe was all by design ladies and gentlemen that i believe was all by design it wasn't just something that uh someone came up with one day anyways guys right ladies and gentlemen so uh let's go ahead and into objectivism though yes well you know i would rather live in an objective reality than in a subjective reality i don't know about you patet moss i mean that's a, that's a pretty big philosophical kind of i would say even a moral debate and i don't know how you feel about that patet moss but that would be an interesting conversation for topic or topic for conversation at some point i think maybe we can all have that someday uh because you know if there is no objective truth there is no objective reality if everything is subjective you live in la la land you live in clown world you live in the world that we live into today a world of feelings and a world of unrealities because everything has to uh, everything has to uh, be ensconced in one's own personal emotions and viewpoints anyways. Patitma says the concept of man as a heroic being with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life with productive achievements as his noblest activity and reason as his only absolute God. You know, Patet Moss, I mean, you were made to be American. <laughs> I'm not diminishing your Norwegian roots, sir, but I like the way that sounds. Thank you for sharing that, friend. I appreciate it. <coughs> All right, guys, let's move on to Mr. Musk. And uh, thank you all again for being in the audience today. Much appreciated. Let's see what we got here. First of all, coming up for us in regards to Mr. Musk. Now, everyone in Pilled, go pull out your um, go pull out your Nacho Libre. I believe in science sticker. Okay, like I'm gonna put it in the room right now. Are you ready, guys? Okay, hold on. I'm gonna put it there because I uploaded this one. Are you ready? Are you ready for your? Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. I believe in science. Okay. All right. I'm not making fun of Elon. Okay. I just happen to like that movie. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it, it just so happens to fit the topic of conversation. Okay. I'll give you Nacho Libre also. All right. Like, <laughs> Oh, check that out. Patet Moss says Musk is my second favorite South African. Is he from South Africa? I don't know. I mean, right now I know he's a Texan. I know his spurs don't jingle, jingle, jingle. I know I've decried him as a transhumanist and someone who supports abortion. But at the moment, I'm quite okay with him giving us the receipts on information that we've known for a long time in certain communities. All right. So uh, let's see here. Mr. Musk believes in science. New Twitter policy on scientific data. All right. So this is actually brand spanking new uh, as of today. This is from the pages of the Epoch Times. You know, I call it the Epoch Times because that's what they used to call it. Like, unless that was another timeline, which is entirely possible. Uh, but their their main reporters, including Roman, used to call it the Epoch Times. Now they call it the Epic Times. So I'm like, oh, make up your mind. It used to be Epoch. Now it's Epic, whatever. Because I used to call it the Epic Times. And then like when I started playing their videos, they're all welcome to so-and-so from the Epoch Times. I was like, okay, whatever, guys. Make up your mind or figure out what timeline you're in, one or the other. Which one is it? Okay. All right. <laughs> so the Epoch Times, I'm not, I'm not decrying them. You know, I subscribe to them. Interesting. So Patet Moss that says that Mr. Musk was born in Pretoria. Do you mean Pretoria? No, just kidding. That's a family guy reference. Uh, yeah, that's what I was like. You know, if we're gonna take back our own backyards, I'm gonna turn my I'm gonna turn my little acre of land. No, just I don't even have a land, guys. Like I live in an apartment. Uh, I live in a I live in a loft. So like, uh, yeah, I was like, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna turn our little piece of land into our own country, just like Peter Griffin did. Okay. <laughs> I dare you to come and get us. Like, we'll be just like Washington, D.C., right? We'll have our own little island or our own little island nation within landlocked inside of the United States of America, right? That's how bad it's going to get. Like, all of the patriots are going to have to turn their own pieces of land into uh, their own little countries or something like that. I'm just being silly, guys. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that about Mr. Musk. Uh, Musk. I have not looked that deeply into his origins. I was stunned when I found out he has eight children. Did, did anyone know that Elon Musk has eight kids? Did you guys know he has a set of triplets and a set of twins? Okay, like that's crazy. All right. Anyways, um, well, we're talking Mr. Musk right now. Anyways, let's see what this article from the Epoch Times says about Mr. Musk and his new Twitter policy on the questions of science. Elon Musk announces new Twitter policy to follow and question science. It goes like this. Twitter CEO Elon Musk said in a tweet Wednesday he is enacting a new Twitter policy related to posts on the platform about science. New Twitter policies to follow the science, which necessarily includes reasoned questioning of the science. Okay, you gotta like you gotta like that, ladies and gentlemen. You got to like that. No further details of the plan had been released, but the Epoch Times reached out to Twitter for comment. In a follow-up tweet below his original policy announcement, Musk said, Anyone who says that questioning them is questioning science itself cannot be regarded as a scientist. I believe in science. <laughs> Got to love it, ladies and gentlemen. I believe in science. You know what? I do too. But I also believe in 
higher powers. So anyhow, in a follow-up tweet below, okay, so you cannot be regarded as a scientist if you say questioning me questions the science, right? Musk has revealed a trove of information since taking over the company regarding Twitter's suppression of certain information related to COVID-19. And uh, we may be dipping into that file today, but we are definitely dipping into the Pentagon file today and the other government agencies today. So Musk said Twitter employees had a private group on Slack that was a fan club of White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci. Can you believe that guy had a fan club? <laughs> well, I mean, never mind all of the sleeping Americans out there that, you know, most of them are currently dying. But, like, I can't believe that they actually had a fan club. Uh, the employees had an internal Slack channel unironically called Fauci Fan Club, Musk wrote. Uh, Musk's post noted that Fauci Fan Club was set up despite outstanding glaring issues regarding Fauci, including the question of whether the White House advisor was untruthful when he denied that United States federal money was used to fund risky gain-of-function research at a Chinese lab at the center of speculation about the origins of COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we here at the Sea Report reported on Ecosystem Labs and uh, the doctor over there. What was the guy doctor's name? I can't remember his name. We reported on that like in April of 2021. Okay. <laughs> it became a hot topic, you know, you know, probably around the fall, summer, fall. But yeah, uh, doctor, hmm, it's something Zach, right? I can't remember his first name. I mean, I can't remember his, his whole last name, but... Uh, Anyways, we haven't done a COVID-19 story basically in quite some time here, you know, even though there's been a lot of uh, developments and again, more receipts that we're aware of, you know, more receipts that we're aware of, um, but uh, the really coming out now, ladies and gentlemen, really coming out now. So uh, very interesting that. Um, Patet Moss says, yeah, their names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have they have uh, interesting names, Elon's uh, last two children. I don't know if all of his children have like, uh, binary names, right? Or, or ones and zeros, but, uh, AE is a Scandinavian letter pronounced as the A in, oh, is the A in Ash. Oh, I see. So Zaji, <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow, uh, thank you for that, Patet Moss. <clears throat> Now, uh, let's see what it says here about the alleged Twitter su suppression of scientific data. Okay, so this is going to dip into some of the uh, Twitter files part 10, which is about the COVID-19 um, suppression, right? Or shall we just call it psychological operation? Musk revealed in the Twitter files a collection of internal emails and communications made public by Musk. The company suppressed early treatment options for COVID-19 and vaccine safety concerns. Dr. Peter McCullough, in an interview on Newsmakers by NTD and The Epoch, said on December 14th. So along with the exposure of the collusion and the corruption of three-letter agencies, I'm sure everyone in my esteemed audience can figure out what else is happening here, right? What have we long said has been the cause, the reason, the bane, right, of uh, a truth-sayer's existence in a world of lies? The mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, mockingbird propaganda legacy media, ladies and gentlemen. 
they have been the reasons why, no matter how many inroads we make, and, and it's not the only battlefront, obviously, but it is one of the largest and one of the most hard fought and one where we have suffered some of the most casualties. And that is in the field of the press and the media, ladies and gentlemen. We can't do anything, really, to move the needle forward as long as that large and overreaching uh, a voice box, you know, megaphone keeps on mesmerizing and hypnotizing the people who would erstwhile be asleep during this period of time for whatever reason it is. Like, it doesn't even matter. They're, they're asleep, okay? Whether they're just disengaged, apathetic, or life is too busy or too exciting, it doesn't matter. It's 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 all part of the same body of individuals, right? So, and that, that is to say that, that there we don't have to place blame, okay? This is all also part of design, which is something we also must consider. You know, all of this is by design, you know? So if we're awake, I think we're fortunate and we're blessed and we should be working to wake others up, right? So uh, the other thing here is the media, guys. You get with, the uh, suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop. That's not just government agencies colluding with big tech. It's big media, okay? Which, in part, I guess, is also why Mr. Musk utilized these leftist Trump derangement syndrome, um, you know, uh, a journalist. Now, I cannot say the same thing for Lee Fang. I cannot say the same thing for David Zweig. I think that's his name because I haven't even looked into them. OK, I don't even know any of their histories. I don't know if they were Trump derangement syndrome people. I don't know if they were anti-Trump as bad as Taibbi and Weiss were. But, you know, these are people who either got in trouble and were either censored or they were uh, they were uh, silenced, you know, via the whole uh, uh, the culture thing. Right. The, the PC thing. Um, or, you know, they were outcasts from their own peers because they wouldn't go with the extreme wokeism. Yeah, they would rail against Trump and they would cry in front of everyone because they were they were sad Trump won. But they wouldn't go so woke that they would uh, they would jeopardize their credibility. Well, I mean, that's kind of like a that's kind of like a slippery slope to say they didn't jeopardize their credibility. Right. But but. Uh, as, as one of my audience members also pointed out, uh, it could very well have been done to a silence the people on the left from saying, oh, it's a conspiracy theorist because it's right wing journalists or even moderate journalists. And then uh, my other point to that, of course, was to expose the left for eating their own whenever a narrative comes out of the mouth of individuals that they thought were aligned with them. So with this happening with COVID-19, I think the undercurrent that no one is appreciating, at least no one I've heard of, and I don't really follow anyone who's doing the, the whole Twitter thing right now, is that the media, guys, the media has been complicit in all of this from the Hunter Biden laptop now to COVID-19. This is what I was talking about over a year ago that we needed to see happen, okay? This is the kind of information that the world needed to be exposed to in order to truly bring down reform or destroy the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, mockingbird media, the legacy press, the propaganda 
press, ladies and gentlemen, that has been um, that has been has been um, executing lies and deception upon the people of this nation since NDAA 2012, when Obama uh, redid that Muntz Frank Act right on propaganda against the people of America on the shores of American soil, or that could even be that could even be intercepted by an American. You know, prior to that act being redone or removed or whatever like they were concerned about americans even overseas intercepting propaganda that was to bring down another nation or for whatever reason it was they they didn't they didn't want americans to even have to be exposed to that overseas ladies and gentlemen let alone on our shores well obama took care of that in 2012 okay so uh, that's where we've been with the uh, mockingbird press operating in a high fashion and just rolling out all their propaganda and all of their wrap-up smear campaigns and demonizing and demoralizing and deceiving and destroying. I need one more D to make it five Ds, okay? And denying the liberties of American and of the knowledge of truth, ladies and gentlemen, because of the, uh, the deception that they put into their media work, okay? So uh, that's another big trove here. You know, maybe other people are talking about it. I don't know. But like, this is a huge undercurrent, guys. The media looks to take a huge fall for everything that Mr. Musk is exposing right here and right now through his esteemed leftist journalists, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's all happening like this for a reason. I'm sure I'm not privy to the reason. I don't even care what the reason is anymore. It's happening. So let it happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if he made a deal. I don't care if he's really a good guy. I don't believe it. Okay. But it's happening. So we're going to let it happen. Right. And see what happens then. Okay. Let's finish up this article so we can move on to the drops. Twitter had become an incredibly bad platform where the public knew they were not getting a fair balanced set of information on a whole variety of developments including the early treatment of SARS-CoV-2 infection and a balanced view of safety and efficacy of the vaccines McCullough said McCullough said he believed he was censored and finally suspended for sharing scientific abstracts and manuscripts which he believed did not fit the accepted political view McCullough said he was not the only doctor targeted by the company's censorship Musk lifted the suspensions of McCullough and mRNA vaccine technology contributor Dr. Robert Malone, suspended from Twitter. No, he lifted the suspensions, right, and suspended on a, from Twitter in 2021 after criticizing the effectiveness of the mRNA vaccines after completing his Twitter purchase. McCullough said when sites like Twitter posted COVID-19 warnings or labels, uh, a post misinformation, it amounted to government censorship and control. Facebook, Instagram, and the other platforms, anytime a message is posted and it says, see the COVID information center or it labels it COVID misinformation, that actually indicates that there's government interference. There's government censorship going on, McCullough said. Musk's latest policy announcement about questioning science while also following it mirrors what McCullough said about advertisements on Twitter regarding vaccine efficacy and safety. Uh, 
So when Americans were seeing advertisements that said safe and effective, of course, immediately we were jumping and making the case on the peer reviewed literature that is not correct. Dang, guys. Elon's push for transparency. Since taking over Twitter, Musk has made transparency a top priority, including revealing prior Twitter policies. As part of his transparency push, he released secret emails and discussions about shadow banning or removing accounts that did not tow the party line, just like the caucuses of the GOP state houses do, right? They punish you, they ban you, they censor you, they kick you out of closed door meetings, they seek to have you removed if you do not tow the party line. It's interesting how all of these mirrors are coming up from the White House to the state house, from big tech to big media, right guys? All of these mirrors are starting to show themselves to each other, right? As part of its reporting, the Epoch Times sought comment from the DOJ and FBI on the Twitter files revelations and their involvement with social media companies. The FBI National Press Office stated the FBI regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information specific to identified uh, foreign uh, malign influence actors, subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities. It is not based on the content of any particular message or narrative. Private sector entities independently make decisions about what, if any, action they take on their platforms and for their customers after the FBI has been notified about them. Something tells me that's a lie. But if you want to find out if that is a lie... I guess you would have to read the Twitter files, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready to read the Twitter files? Okay, so so we did have some Twitter files drop over the weekend, Christmas weekend. We had one drop on the day after Christmas. And then, well, but we're starting with the one that was a few days before Christmas. And that is going to be Twitter file number eight which I think is of some import because of the fact that it talks about the Pentagon and psychological operations and how that ties into Twitter. Interesting, huh? Hey, G. Ross, good to see you, sir. Thank you for gifting the cookie. I much appreciate it, my friend. Welcome on into the show. Glad to have you with us today. Um, so let's see what we got going on here, guys. All right. So uh, the uh, journalist that um, Mr. Musk selected for this Twitter drop was a man by the name of Lee Fang. Okay. Yeah. You know, I might add also, guys, I don't know what's going on with my Twitter, but I can't log in. <laughs> they're like, uh, uh shut him. I told you guys last night on C tweets, for all I know, tomorrow they're going to kick me off or they're going to start censoring again, or it's just not going to work. Well, look at what happened. Anyways. Oh, we'll figure it out after the show. Okay, so uh, let's just dip in, ladies and gentlemen. Let us dip in. Twitter Files Part 8 by Lee Fang. No relation to Fang Fang, I'm sure. How Twitter quietly aided the Pentagon's covert online psychological operation campaign. Interesting. Interesting. Despite promises to shut down covert state-run propaganda networks, Twitter docs show that the social media giant directly assisted 
the United States military's influence operations. Now, the reason why we have to highlight this one, guys, is because we talk about influence operations here at Mr. CTV. No one else scarce wants to talk about influence operations because they're afraid they're going to get exposed for being the IIA that they are. Like, that's in the, that's an internet interactive activity. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, they're afraid that they're going to get exposed. As you know, you know, when I first started talking about influence operations and IIA here at my channel, like, do you know how many times I was getting firebombed, right? Like, <laughs> it was like, shut up, see, you can't be talking about that. Uh, anyways, guys, so uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but uh, well, let's dig in. I this is be an important one i don't think this one's gonna let me down at all and i haven't you know and that's the other thing is like these things are coming out so rapidly i mean is, is anyone taking the time to marinate in the information i mean i know it's stuff we already knew but it's at least we're getting the receipts the hard receipts right we're getting we're getting uh what 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 to follow the money right so to speak you know i mean obviously we're not talking about money exchanges here but what we are talking well unless you are the fbi and you're using taxpayer money to buy or to pay for the employees of Twitter to do your dirty work. I mean, that's a different story here. That's a different story here. But, uh, you know, paper trails. There we go. That's probably a better one. Paper trails, ladies and gentlemen. So despite promises to shut down covert state-run propaganda networks. Can you believe that was even a thing and Twitter was aware of it? And did not share that with the general population? Jack Dorsey. How on earth could you sit on something like that, right? It says here, Twitter has claimed for years that they make concerted efforts to detect and thwart government-backed platform manipulation. Here is Twitter testifying to Congress about its pledge to rapidly identify and shut down all state-backed covert information operations and deceptive program i'm sorry deceptive propaganda that could be deceptive programming right letter says uh state-backed information operations combating attempts to interfere in conversations on twitter remains a top priority for the company and we continue to invest heavily in our detection disruption and transparency efforts related to state-backed information operations our goal is to remove bad faith actors and to advance public understanding of these critical topics. Twitter defines state-backed information operations as coordinated platform manipulation efforts that can be attributed with a high degree of confidence to state-affiliated actors. State-backed information operations are typically associated with misleading, deceptive, and spammy behavior. These behaviors differentiate coordinated manipulative behavior from legitimate speech on behalf of individuals and political parties. Whenever we identify an authentic activity on Twitter that meets our definition of an information operation and which we are able to confidently attribute to actors associated with a government, we share comprehensive data about this activity. Interesting. Lee Feng goes on to say, but behind the scenes, Twitter gave approval and special protection to the U.S. military's online psychological influence operations, despite knowledge that Pentagon propaganda accounts used covert identities. Twitter did not suspend many for around two years or more. Some remain active. Can you tell us who they are? 
In 2017, a United States Central Command, CENTCOM, official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts. We used to amplify certain messages. Oh, so now this is what we're talking about with the influence operations. Now, let's not forget who, who works in influence operations. Tulsi Gabbard, General Vallelie was there for a very long time with his Satanist buddy, Michael Aquino, writing the very documents. But yet we're going to have General Vallelie on our shows and tout him as a hero, even though he protected a child raping Satanist. Who admitted that he was a Satanist, even though General Vallely says, all of you people, Michael Aquino was a good guy. He was never a Satanist. And you got Michael Aquino. He's dead now. Michael Aquino saying, yeah, I was a Satanist. It's in the papers. And you know what? The military let me do it. So I don't know, Michael Aquino and uh, General Vallely. You, some people really need to check into that. You know, I don't know. Some people need to ask questions. I can't ask questions. I ask questions on my show. Yeah. Hey, Monsieur Baez. Uh, Monsieur Baez asks, is Tulsi a goodie or a baddie, Mr. C? I, I lean more towards baddie, but um, I've been in the Gabbard camp before until I found out that she, when she left office, went to go join the, join the psychological operations unit. I mean, she's like one of the heads over there or something like that. Um, I get it. Psychological operations, I guess, are necessary, right? I mean, if we're going to use the same tactics that the enemies and the evil ones do, I guess it's okay if we're going to resort to their, you know, operations in order to combat them, um, rather than just using truth or whatever. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't really expand on that too much. You know, I'm trying to be a little bit more tempered, right? <laughs> Yeah, Monster Bias says he's been in and out with Tulsi Gabbard as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, sir, like one minute I'm like, go Tulsi. The next minute I'm like, you damn World Economic Forum hack. And the next minute I'm like, oh, okay, she's okay. And the next minute I'm like, damn it, she works with the uh, psychological operations unit now. What the heck? And then she's also, she's also, she's, she's also served, you know, so, and you know, it's hard for, it's hard for me to be like totally against someone who's served. But then I think about people like Dan Crenshaw. Okay. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's right. Even people who served can be rat bastards that betray this nation. Okay. Anyways, getting back to uh, the Twitter files, number eight. In 2017, a U.S. Central Command official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts that we use to amplify certain messages. And I, I forgot. That's what I was going to say about this. If you guys remember... Um, if you guys remember uh, Shadowgate and if you guys remember the Ghost in the Machine videos, all of this is in there, okay? Them going to other countries or using different foreign languages in order to exert influence on groups of people, whether it's ethnic groups or political groups or whatever kind of groups, this is what our military is engaged in. Okay, so uh, yes, uh, you had CENTCOM telling Twitter, hey, we use all of these Arab speaking accounts, all right, to amplify certain messages. Let's see what else it says. It says uh, the official asked for priority service for six accounts, verification for one and whitelist abilities for the others. It says here and here's a copy of the letter. So we can all see it with our own eyes. Now, this is sent from uh, Nathaniel Collar. Um, B. 
uh, CTR Center CENTCOM. Okay. And uh, yeah, reply non DOD source. Thanks. Sure is tough to do web ops when you cannot tweet. I've attached a list. The first six on the list are our priority accounts. Ideally, we could have them verified, blue checkmark, and whitelisted. Is there such a thing? One of them at Yemen Current is currently not indexing. At Justice underscore AR currently has a request in for verification, but haven't heard anything. The rest are accounts we use to amplify certain messages. Ideally, they could be whitelisted as well. Again, if it's too big an ask, the first six are the priority. If you need any sort of paperwork or verification from our office or SOCOM, please just let me know. Also, our SOCOM guys mentioned that they'd love to be able to come and meet up for a face-to-face to talk with you to talk if you think the right Twitter folks would be up for it, question mark. All right. Interesting. So definitely you have the Pentagon colluding here, or, you know, it, at least in contact so far, at least in contact so far with Twitter. Okay. Uh, the same day CENTCOM sent the list, Twitter officials used a tool to grant a special whitelist tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they are exempt from spam slash abuse flags, more visible slash likely to trend on hashtags. The CENTCOM accounts on the list tweeted frequently about United States military priorities in the Middle East, including promoting anti-Iran messages, promotion of the Saudi Arabia-US-backed war in Yemen, and accurate US drone strikes that claimed to only hit terrorists. And there are photographs of some of the Pentagon's influence operation websites, or I should say accounts over at Twitter. Okay, so this is being run by the Pentagon, guys, not some uh, some guy out in the Middle East. Okay, so you see all that going on there. All right. Okay, and uh, Lee Fang goes on to say. CENTCOM then shifted strategies and deleted disclosures of ties to the Twitter accounts. The bios of the accounts changed to seemingly organic profiles. One bio read, Euphrates Pulse. Another used an apparent deepfake profile pic and claimed to be a source of Iraqi opinion. Interesting. One Twitter official who spoke to me said he feels deceived by the covert shift. Still, many emails from throughout 2020 show that high-level Twitter executives were well aware of DOD's vast network of fake accounts and covert propaganda and did not suspend the accounts. Now, you know, I heard that, and I have no I have no details to support or to uh, back up, but I heard the Pentagon actually engaged in an operation of which I do not know the name of, uh, wherein they set aside a certain amount of money to uh, buy, pay for, and contract influencers and content creators to work for them, to do stuff like this. 
Like I said, I don't have anything to back it up, but I've heard that for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. So even some of these influencers out there are working on contract for the Pentagon. Okay. Just to be aware, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So uh, let's see here. Number nine from Lee Fink says, for example, Twitter lawyer Jim Baker mused in a July 2020 email about an upcoming DOD meeting that the Pentagon used poor tradecraft in setting up its network and were seeking strategies for not exposing the accounts that are linked to each other or to DOD or to the USG. Stasia, uh, Stasia Cardile, another Twitter attorney, replied that the Pentagon wanted a skiff and may want to retroactively classify its social media activities to obfuscate their activity in this space and that this may represent an overclassification to avoid embarrassment. And there is uh, the text of a communication right here. There's Stacia or Stasia Cardil. Jim, Angela, and I. I wonder if that's Jim. Oh, it's Jim Baker. My bad. I was going to say, I wonder if that's, uh, what is the name of that guy again? Uh, Jim Jones, right? There's another rogue general who works in information operations and internet interactive activity, right? You know, he's the former boss of some esteemed content creators as well. Jim, Angela, and I discussed attendance at this de declassified briefing, not declassified, at this classified briefing. I heard from Facebook that they are securing skiffs in D.C. and San Francisco for a meeting, possibly on Friday. I have some significant concerns that the motivations for classifications are slightly different than the ones you outlined in the email below. I think it is possible DOD is using retroactive classification to obfuscate their activity in this space and that this may represent an overclassification to avoid embarrassment. Angela and I think you would be more effective in this meeting than me as the officials will view you more seriously. Thoughts on this? Separate and apart from the merits, I have some concerns with attending due to COVID exposure and my two immune compromised family members. So that was a letter to Jim Baker and this Angela Scherer individual. <coughs> Pardon me. How interesting, guys. So yeah, there's definitely a lot. And so even, even FBI's Jim Baker knew that the Pentagon was involved. That's insane, y'all. In several other 2020 emails, high-level Twitter executive executives and lawyers discussed the covert network and even recirculated the 2017 list from CENTCOM and shared another list of 157 undisclosed Pentagon accounts. Again, mostly focused on Middle East military issues. In a May 2020 email, Twitter's Lisa Roman um, emailed the DOD with two lists. One list was accounts previously provided to us and another list Twitter detected. The accounts tweeted in Russian and Arabic on United States military issues in Syria and ISIS. And, may, and many also did not disclose Pentagon ties. So they're tweeting in Russian also, huh? Yeah, well, that figures, doesn't it? Letter says... And this is an email from Lisa Roman to William S S E C S E S O S D and O G C. 
Bill, thank you again for your time yesterday. As discussed, attached is a spreadsheet with the accounts we described on our call. The first tab lists those ac accounts previously provided to us and the second associated accounts that Twitter has discovered. Please note that the second tab is not intended to be an exhaustive list, and if DOD is aware of additional associated accounts which may violate our rules, those should be included in the scope of our request. I would be grateful if you would confirm receipt and that you are able to access the spreadsheet without issue. Please let me know if you have any questions regarding this information. Isn't that crazy, guys? So they're even telling the DOD, hey, look, you might be violating our rules and regulations here. So uh, disclose, please. But no, you want to what? Retroactively make it classified? Yeah, that's insane, guys. Uh, 13, many of these secretive United States military propaganda accounts, despite detection by Twitter as late as 2020, but potentially earlier, continued meeting throughout this year. Some not suspended until May 2022 or later, according to records I reviewed. In August 2022, a Stanford Internet Observatory report exposed a United States military covert propaganda network on Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, and other apps using fake news portals and deep fake images and memes against United States foreign assets. I'm curious. What's this? Let's see what that is real quick. I'm curious. Grafica. Oh, it's a 57-page report evaluating five years of pro-Western covert influence operations. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> Holy crap. Let's just look at the executive summary. In July and August 2022, Twitter and Meta removed two overlapping sets of accounts for violating their platform's terms of service. Twitter said the accounts fell foul of its, of its policies on platform manipulation and spam, while Meta said the assets on its platforms engaged in a coordinated, inauthentic behavior. After taking down the assets, both platforms provided portions of the activity to Graphica and Stanford Internet Observatory for further analysis. Our joint investigation found an interconnected web of accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and five other social media platforms that use deceptive tactics to promote pro-Western narratives in the Middle East and Central Asia. The platform's data sets appear to cover a series of covert campaigns over a period of almost five years, rather than one homogenous operation. These campaigns consistently advanced narratives promoting the interests of the United States and its allies while opposing countries including Russia, China, and Iran. The accounts heavily criticized Russia in particular for the deaths of innocent civilians and other atrocities its soldiers committed in pursuit of the Kremlin's imperial ambitions following of Ukraine in February this year. To promote this and other narratives, the accounts sometimes shared news articles from U.S. government-funded media outlets such as Voice of America and Radio Free Europe and links to websites sponsored by the U.S. military. A portion of the activity also promoted anti-extremism messaging. <coughs> As with previous disclosures, Twitter and Meta <clears throat> did not share the technical details of their investigations. 
Additionally, neither company has publicly attributed the activity to any entity or organization. Twitter listed the activities presumptive countries of origin as the United States and Great Britain, while Meta said the country of origin was the United States. The findings in this report are based on our own open source investigations and analysis of the two datasets shared by the platforms. The Twitter dataset provided to Graphica, I wonder if they had to order that information to get it open source. The, the Twitter dataset uh, provided to Graphica and SIO covered 299,566 tweets by the 146 accounts between March 2012 and February 2022. These accounts divide into two behaviorally distinct activity sets. The first was linked to an overt United States government messaging campaign called the Trans-Regional Web Initiative, which has been extensively documented in academic studies, media reports, and federal contracting records. The second comprises a series of covert campaigns of unclear origin. These covert campaigns were also represented in the meta data set of 39 Facebook profiles, 16 pages, two groups, and 26 Instagram accounts active from 2017 until July of 2022. For this report, we focused on our analysis on the exclusively covert activity to better understand how different actors use inauthentic practices to conduct online influence operations, IOs. Internet influence operations, IIAs? <laughs> That's activity. Okay. Uh, we did note, however, some low-level open source connections between the overt and covert activity in the combined Twitter and metadata. These consisted of limited cases of content sharing and one Twitter account that posed as an individual in Iraq but has previously claimed to operate on behalf of the United States military. Without supporting technical indicators, we are unable to assess further the nature of the relationship between the two activity sets. We believe this activity represents the most extensive case of covert pro-Western internet operations influence operations on social media to be reviewed and analyzed by open source researchers to date. With few exceptions, the study of modern influence operations has overwhelmingly focused on activity linked to authoritarian regimes in countries such as Russia, China, and Iran, with recent growth in research on the integral role played by private entities. This report illustrates the wider range of actors engaged in active operations to influence online audiences. At the same time, Twitter and Meta's data reveals the limited range of tactics influence operation actors employ. The covert, the covert campaigns detailed in this report are notably for how similar they are to previous operations we have studied. The assets identified by Twitter and Meta created fake personas with GAN-generated faces, posed as independent media outlets, leveraged memes and short-form videos, attempted to start hashtag campaigns, and launched online petitions, all tactics observed in past operations by other actors. Importantly, the data also shows the limitations of using inauthentic tactics to generate engagement and build influence online.
The vast majority of posts and tweets we reviewed received no more than a handful of likes or retweets, and only 19% of the covert assets we identified had more than 1,000 followers. The average tweet received 0.49 likes and 0.02 retweets. Tellingly, the two most followed assets in the data provided by Twitter were over accounts that publicly declared a connection to the United States military. This report is non-exhaustive and benefited from the previous studied studies by the academic and open source research communities. We hope our findings can contribute to a better informed understanding of online influence operations, the types of actors that conduct them, and the limitations of relying on inauthentic tactics. Okay, and we'll uh we'll pause that letter there. That is uh that's a doozy, ladies and gentlemen. That is a doozy. I'm glad I stumbled on this one. Okay. We'll take a look at that. Well, I'll take a look at that later. Um, let's get back to Lee Fang's uh, Twitter file drop. Wow, that was that was insane. So that article that we just went through, or I should say the uh, summary to that report, uh, straight off of uh, Lee Fang's Twitter file drop number 14 in August 2022, a Stanford Internet Observatory report exposed a United States military covert propaganda network on Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, and other apps using fake news portals and deep fake images and memes against United States foreign adversaries. Here comes drop number 15. The United States propaganda network relentlessly pushed narratives against Russia, China, and other foreign countries. They accused Iran of threatening Iraq's water security and flooding the country with crystal meth and of harvesting the organs of Afghan refugees. The Stanford report did not identify all of the accounts in the network, but one they did name was the exact same Twitter account, CENTCOM asked for whitelist privileges in its 2017 email. I verified via Twitter's internal tools. The account used an AI-created deep fake image. You mean to tell me that that is not a real boy? <laughs> uh, let's see what the let's see what the photograph let's see what the caption says. Figure number forty-six. The profile pictured used by the Facebook page Discoverer and two other assets in the Middle East group. Issue with the left ear and the central alignment of the eyes suggest it was generated using artificial intelligence techniques. Wow, that is insane. But I, I mean, I've seen these things before. So, uh, so that is the account that it used to be. Look at what is this? Is this a is this a clock? Is this a time traveler? Ah, just kidding. And then here he is right here. That looks like a, I don't know. That looks like a graphic I've used before. Anyways, okay. So uh archived version of the Discoverer Twitter account with an Arabic Arabic language bio claiming an affiliation with Centcom. <laughs> the same the same account shortly before it was suspended by Twitter. Interesting. Very interesting, guys. What is the Pentagon up to, right? Anyways. 
The U.S. propaganda network relentlessly pushed narratives against Russia, China. Okay, so we read that part. The Stanford report. Okay, we read this part as well. We just went through this. Okay, so uh, Lee Feng goes on. In subsequent reporting, Twitter was cast as an unbiased hero for removing a network of fake user accounts promoting pro-Western policy positions. Media covering the story described Twitter as evenly applying its policies and proactive in suspending the DOD Department of Defense network. The reality is much more murky. Twitter actively assisted CENTCOM's networks going back to 2017 and as late as 2020, knew these accounts were covert slash designed to deceive, to manipulate the discourse of violation of Twitter's policies and promises. They waited years to suspend. Twitter's comms team was closely in touch with reporters, working to minimize Twitter's role. When the Washington Compost reported on the scandal, Twitter officials congratulated each other because the story did not mention any Twitter employees and focused largely on the Pentagon. Let's take a look at that. What are you talking about, Mr. Fang? What is you talking about? Thank you for the flag, KT. Got it. Thanks, says Jim Baker. Uh, on my birthday, Rebecca Han says thank you. Oh, all of this happened on my birthday. Anyways, okay, doesn't matter. Okay, privileged and confidential. Okay, hi there. I hope you're well. We wanted to give you a heads up at the Washington Compost. Oh, that the Washington Compost will be publishing a piece, most likely this weekend, that sheds more light on the United States government aspects of the recent Graphica slash Stanford report. Is that Stanford, the same Stanford that signed the checks of A.J. Alex Jones? It's Stanford, right? Stanford, Stafford, Stafford, Stanford. I don't know. Anyways. Okay. Graphica slash Stanford report about tech companies removing US-based influence campaigns. I guess it couldn't be Stafford, Stanford, right? Because they're the ones that are doing it, not removing it. It's a story that's mostly focused on DOD and Facebook. However, there will be a couple lines that reference us alongside Facebook in that we reached out to them for a meeting. We don't think they'll do, they'll tie it to anything Mudge related or name any Twitter employees. We decline to comment. I suspect this piece will get more attention in Washington with the DOD angle. We'll keep you posted. Thanks, Katie. Interesting. See, now there's something that we could have guessed, but we might not have never known. And that's about the Pentagon and the Department of Defense's deep ties to Twitter and other social media platforms of the day. Oh, was there a second page? My bad. Second page says, oh, Yol Roth isn't on this one. Thanks for doing all that you could to manage this one. It did not seem to get too much traction beyond Verge, CNN, and WAPO editors promoting it. And it says, hi, folks. Here's the piece, which I think turned out as expected. Format it in a doc here. Thanks. Pentagon opened sweeping review of clandestine psychological operations. Complaints about the United States military influence operations using Facebook and Twitter have raised concerns in the White House and federal agencies. Whoops. See, it doesn't let me do that right now. 
It doesn't even let me retweet. I mean, I didn't mean to retweet, but it's not letting me in. Okay, so uh, let's see here. The uh, conduct with the United States military's covert network stands in stark contrast with how Twitter has boasted about rapidly identifying and taking down covert accounts tied to state-backed influence operations, including Thailand, Russia, Venezuela, and others since 2016. Here's my reported piece with more detail. I was given access to Twitter for a few days. I signed slash agreed to nothing. Twitter had no input into anything I did or wrote. The searches were carried out by a Twitter attorney. So what I saw could be limited. And at the intercept, Twitter aided the Pentagon in its covert online propaganda campaign. And uh, is that it? Oh, this one was funny. Oh, is this a new one? Did he repost this one? Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Ew. Look at that. Gross. Or, excuse me. He would be looking at that if that were the Twitter files. I mean, anything else but the Twitter files. Okay. New Twitter uh, policies to follow the science. It's dangerous to believe anything blindly. The science is settled. That's not how science works. You're racist. <laughs> that couldn't have been the last drop. Was that the last one for that one? I mean, it might be. Did he only have 21 drops on that one? I don't know. I'm asking for a friend. He's Okay, uh, let's see here. Let me just make sure there ain't nothing I'm missing. And uh, we'll have time to move on to Twitter file drop number nine with David Zweig or Zweig or Zweig or Zweig. I don't know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That's awesome. Okay. Excellent work, Mr. Fang. Thank you all. Okay. So, uh, okay. Let's pull back for just a sec. Hello. All right. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. If I can get this thing. There we go. That means, ladies and gentlemen, the next thing we'll be talking about in regard to the Twitter files are other governmental agencies, ladies and gentlemen. Just because it seems that the FBI has been getting far too much attention on their own. You know the CIA is going to want some. The Department of Justice is going to want some. Uh, the State Department's definitely going to want some attention. All right, let's get this on the board. And that is uh, Twitter files expose other government agencies colluding with big tech, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we always knew it to be true, but now we know it for a fact. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay, cool. All right. Hopefully everyone else is talking about election integrity instead of the Twitter files tonight, right? Anyways, okay. Let's take a look, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a look. Oh, whoops. I, I said I said we were going to Zweig next, didn't I? My bad. I was wrong. We're going to Matt Taibbi next. Matt Taibbi has the next drop. 
And again, this does have to do with other government agencies. Zweig does the COVID-19 bit. So, uh, you know, that first article we covered with pres uh, with uh, with uh, Mr. Musk and uh, the science, right? Kind of kind of covered through the COVID stuff, right? So, yeah, I'm not going to be so hard up to get that done tonight. But let's get into Mr. Taibbi's thread. Uh, this was dropped. It appears to have dropped on New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, on Christmas Eve. Pardon me. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the title of this Twitter files drop is Twitter and other government agencies. And uh, it begins like this. After weeks of Twitter files, reports detailing close coordination between the FBI and Twitter in moderating social media content, the Bureau issued a statement on a Wednesday. What do you think that statement was, ladies and gentlemen? Here's the statement. The statement says, the men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American people misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. I don't know. I think you guys did that pretty good on your own. Matt Taibbi writes in his second drop on this one, it did not, oh, it did not refute allegations. Instead, it decried conspiracy theorists publishing misinformation whose sole aim is to discredit the agency. They must think us unambitious. If our sole aim is to discredit the FBI, after all, a whole range of government agencies discredit themselves in the Twitter files. Why stop with one? The files show the FBI acting as doorman to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship, encompassing agencies across the federal government, from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. The operation is far bigger than the reported 80 members of the Foreign Influence Task Force, which also facilita facilitates requests from a wide array of smaller actors, from local cops to media to state governments. Twitter had so much contact with so many agencies that executives lost track. Is today the DOD and tomorrow the FBI? Is it the weekly call or the monthly meeting? It was dizzying communications go this way for dod question mark no that's a different group we'll reply to that in a second yoel should be the prep should the prep call be you plus so-and-so and so-and-so -so? thanks and then a response hope you're doing well would it be possible for you to add so-and-so and so-and-so -so to the invite for the monthly usg industry call uh thanks yoel Yoel wants kids on Grinder, Anyways, okay. So uh, let's see here. The files show the FBI acting. Okay, we read that part. We read that part. We read that part. A chief end result was that thousands of officials, official reports flowed to Twitter from all over through the FITF and the FBI's San Francisco field office. 
On June 29th, 2020, San Francisco FBI agent Elvis Chan wrote to pair to pair of Twitter execs asking if he could invite an OGA to an upcoming conference. Uh, keeping in mind, OGA stands for Other Government Agency. So it says, Stasia, I wanted to follow up to see if I could forward this invitation to another organiz government organization, specifically the people from so-and-so's former employer were inquiring. Hope all is well. Thanks. OGA, or Other Government Organization, or Agency, that's OGO, uh, can be a euphemism for CIA, according to multiple former intelligence officials and contractors. Chuckles one. They think it's mysterious, but it's just conspicuous. Other government agency, the place where I worked for 27 years, says retired CIA officer Ray. It was an open secret at Twitter that one of its executives was ex-CIA, which is why Chan referred to that executive's former employer. The first Twitter executive abandoned any pretense to stealth and emailed that the employee used to work for the CIA so that Elvis's so that is Elvis's question. Here is that communication. Uh, So-and-so wrote, Stasia, I have no involvement here. I leave this to you to respond. So-and-so used to work for the CIA. So that is Elvis's question. <laughs> Elvis has left the building, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Senior legal executive Stasia Cardil, whose alertness stood out among Twitter leaders, replied, I know, and I thought my silence was understood. Wow. I know. Let me see if it is publicly announced and I will tell him that. I thought my silence was understood. How interesting. I thought my silence was consent. Says Stasia. Okay. It says here, <clears throat> Cardiel then passed on conference details to recently hired ex-FBI lawyer Jim Baker. Sunlight conference tomorrow. No need for you to attend. Carnegie is doing the heavy lift. I offered the uh, to assist Nick and Yoel, and there are no academic papers to review or anything. I was involved in the early scoping of the joint project as well. I invited the FBI, and I believe that the CIA will virtually attend too. Please let me know if you have any questions. Thanks, Stasia. Number 15. I invited the FBI. Oh, we just read that. And the CIA virtually will attend too. Cardill says to Baker, adding pointedly, no need for you to attend. The government was in constant contact, not just with Twitter, but with virtually every major tech firm. These included Facebook, Microsoft, Verizon, Reddit, even Pinterest, and many others. Industry players also held regular meetings without government. One of the most common forums was a regular meeting of the Multi-Agency Force Foreign Influence Task Force, attended by spates of executives, FBI personnel, nearly and nearly always one or two attendees marked O-G-A. 
So uh, in this email here, it tells you all of the agencies, FBI, 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 Stacey Cardeal, PH, OGA, OGA, CID, CD, PH, AJ. The uh, FITF meeting agendas virtually always included at or near the beginning an OGA briefing, usually about foreign matters. Hold that thought. So uh, here's um, documentation of these meetings. Now it says here, all police forward to whomever you deem appropriate agenda. The Russia status OGA briefing is on there. Okay. China status, global status, planning for elections, FBI posture, your posture, information sharing channels and methods. What else we got? More about their agendas. Hmm. This one's a different one. It says, hi, Stasia. I know it's bananas right now over there, but I'm wondering if we can get something on the calendar for the next round of FITF meetings. Here are the open dates and times which are left, etc. And that includes an OGA briefing. Despite its official remit being foreign influence, the FITF and the SF FBI office, San Francisco FBI office became conduit uh, office became conduit for mountains of domestic moderation requests from state governments, even local police. Hi, Stasia. FBI Minneapolis requested that I put you in touch with Lieutenant Hoff about some recent activities, which I've provided below. I'll let you I'll let the two of you take it from here. Thanks. Lieutenant John Hoff, Strategic Information Center. John Hoff. Uh, anyways, uh, where are we at? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Matt Taibbi says, Many requests arrived via teleporter, a one-way platform in which many communications were, a uh, were timed to vanish. Teleporter download access. You have been granted download access to Teleporter. The links will be valid until Thursday, November 5th, 2020. All right. Especially as the election approached in 2020, the FITF slash FBI overwhelmed Twitter with requests, sending lists of hundreds of problem accounts. Undoubtedly. The FBI San Francisco Emergency Operations Center sent us the attachment report of the 207 tweets they believe may be in violation of our policies. Wouldn't it be interesting if anyone that any of us knew was on that list, right? Email after email came from the San Francisco office heading into the election, often adorned with an Excel attachment. Our FBI Baltimore uh, identified these Twitter handles and tweets, which appear to provide misleading information on time, place, or manner of voting in the upcoming elections. We believe these may violate your terms of service and wanted to bring them to your attention. We would appreciate any feedback you have regarding this matter. Thanks, Elvis. There were so many government requests, Twitter employees had to improvise a system for prioritizing triaging them. Hi, so-and-so. Hope you are well. I want to reach out about election-related escalations at...
support the adoption of the United the Unified Escalation Tool and the deprecation of the Go slash Elections escalations, we have been sending all elections-related requests directly to GET support for review. We are having some issues with the backlog impacting our election efforts. The folks on this email represent the DC public policy, legal, and comms teams working on elections. Generally, we are the ones escalating the high-priority content, whether it is high-profile or coming directly from governmental partners. Specifically, pub policy and I escalate reports from the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, and state election officials, or the Election Integrity Project run by Alex Stamos. Comms escalates a lot of content tied to, process, to press inquiries about election issues. Is there some way we can figure out an accommodation to prioritize the reports we escalate, particularly in light of the deprecation of GO slash election escalations. Although every hashtag tweep is valued, I believe it is likely that our reports are the most credible and most urgent, at least for the next week. Really appreciate any assistance or guidance you can provide. Signed, Stasia. Matt Taibbi continues, The FBI was clearly tailoring searches on Twitter's policies. FBI complaints were almost always depicted somewhere as a possible terms of service violation, even in the subject lines. Possible terms of service violation. Twitter executives noticed the FBI appeared to be assigning personnel to look for Twitter violations. They have some folks in the Baltimore office, uh, field office and at HQ that are just doing keyword searches for violations. This is probably the 10th request I've dealt with in the last five days, remarked Cardill. And we will we'll go, we'll forego her. Uh... Oh, and that was to Jim Baker. Even ex-FBI lawyer Jim Baker agreed, odd that they are searching for violations of our policies. <laughs> oh, really, Jim Baker? Is that so odd? Like, you never used to do any of that stuff yourself. Matt Taibbi continues, the New York FBI office even sent requests for the user IDs and handles of a long list of accounts named in a Daily Beast article. Senior executives say they are supportive and completely comfortable doing so. Let's see what that says. Re-upping our internal discussion, any objections to sending the list of user IDs and handles? I'm comfortable doing so, says Yoel Roth. Ooh. Interesting stuff, guys. Yeah, isn't it isn't it interesting having the receipts, y'all? After being uh demonized for so long. It seemed to strike no one as strange that a foreign influence task force was forwarding thousands of mostly domestic reports along with the DHS about the fringiest material. <laughs> Biden using scorecard and the hammer to steal another U.S. presidential election, just like Obama and Biden did in 2012. The American Report. Hammer and scorecard. Now there's a story for you guys. If you missed uh, Shadowgate, then uh, you might not be in on the info. 
Foreign meddling had been the ostensible justification for expanded moderation since platforms like Twitter were dragged to the Hill by the Senate in 2017. The executives are contrite about election meddling, but make few promises on Capitol Hill. Yet behind the scenes, Twitter executives struggled against government claims of foreign interference supposedly occurring on their platform and others. What's this? Me. It says uh, referral IRA account on Reddit. It was restricted, ladies and gentlemen. The Twitter files show execs under constant pressure to validate theories of foreign influence and unable to find evidence for key assertions. Uh, found no links to Russia, says one analyst, but suggests he could brainstorm to find a stronger connection. Oh, God. Here's that communication. It says, hi. After I reviewed the accounts and found no links to Russia, I asked uh, I asked so-and-so on this ticket, uh, on this ticket, so-and-so, and this was his answer. Thanks for tagging in the workflow. From my checks, I could not find any indicators to suggest that the account, so-and-so, is Russian. Even the other phone-linked accounts, so-and-so, does not have indicators to suggest it is Russian proxy. Did checks via domain tools for IP resolves and email uh, email checks for OSINT. However, going by the content and narrative coming out from the account is definitely pro-Russian and or could be a Russian proxy. I can brainstorm with so-and-so and see if we can dig even deeper and try to find a stronger connection. When in doubt, wear it out. All right. Next on the list. Extremely tenuous circumstantial chance of being related, says another. What does that mean? Hey, looked, looked into this here, did not find any exact naming matches and really any information to link the Reddit accounts to any online platform presence at Twitter. On account that has an incredibly tenuous circumstantial chance of being related. So documenting the account here just in case we ever need to come back to it. Created in a similar time frame, RU login, sus English name. No real matches using the info, says former Trust and Safety Chief Yoel Roth in another case, noting some links were clearly Russian, but another was a house rental in South Carolina. That sounds weird. It says no real matches using most of the info. The only thing that did turn up something was the IP addresses and accounts using multiples from the provided. Even though nothing looked particularly violative, uh, some clearly Russian though, but also included an account for a house rental in South Carolina. Yol Roth, not really uh, anything worth talking, taking, taking out, but there are two personas linked to two clusters they might be interested in. Both appear to be Russian-like names. However, 
I would not even call that a slam dunk since it was based on IP data. And I think at least one of the returned accounts from the IP data does not at all look related. So it's like, this is how they spent their time, ladies and gentlemen. This is how they spent their time. Like they were super secret government agents themselves. But you know, when you get to that point where your elected representatives no longer respect their job as a representative of the people, right? And then you have uh, you have the cronyism and you have uh, corruption at the top. It trickles down, and everyone thinks it's everyone thinks it's okay if the boss does it. They're like, well, the boss did it. The boss condoned me doing it, so it must be okay. Integrity, please. Thirty-seven says. In another case, Roth concludes a series of Venezuelan pro-Maduro accounts are unrelated to Russia's internet research agency because they're too high volume. Uh, this says here, so-and-so, thanks for reaching out. Right, can we see what that is? We can't, I guess we can't see it. Uh, it says, a couple of things from a quick review of this data. A few of the accounts whose tweets appear in your list are not IRA slash Russia linked. In February 2019, we released our IRA linked data sets, excluding a number of accounts that were operated out of Venezuela. Those accounts were extremely high volume tweeters, generally using automation in a way that was pretty uncharacteristic of a lot of the other IRA activity. We have very high confidence that they are not linked to the IRA or to Russian activity. In any form, the current official data sets you can download from us do not include these accounts in the RU archive and instead include them in a January 2009 release of Venezuelan activity titled Venezuela, January 2019, set to 764 accounts. If you download the unhashed Venezuela release, you should be able to cross-reference and exclude. Also, at least a couple of the tweets I spot checked were deleted by the users themselves. When we first published our archives of Russian activity, we indicated that we excluded tweets deleted prior to the suspension of the account, amounting to a less than 1% decrease in the volume of tweets as best as we were able to tell. We had to exclude them due to legal constraints, but again, the volume there should be a very small part of the overall RU activity. If you see something different excluding after excluding the Venezuelan accounts, let me know and I can dig back in. Thanks. Yoel wants kids on Grinder. Okay. Uh, moving right along. That's right, Yoel Roth. We are footloose and fancy free. How about you? Matt Taibbi goes on. The Venezuelans were extremely high volume tweeters, pretty uncharacteristic of a lot of the other IRA activity. In a key email, news that the State Department was making a wobbly public assertion of Russian influence led an exec, the same one with the OGA past, to make a damning admission. That exec said, due to a lack of technical evidence on our end, I've generally left to it be, I've generally left it be, waiting for more evidence, he said. Our window on that is closing, given that government partners are becoming more aggressive on attribution. And so uh, here's another communication. I see a bunch of keywords in here, right? 
It says, yep, InfoBricks, B-R-I-C-S, is an entity that we've received previous notice on, though if recollection serves, government partners have never been so specific as to say that it was directly controlled by the GRU. BRICS is an inherently Russian-dominated economic organization, so it was always likely that a website and Twitter account designed to promote it would be directed by the Kremlin. Due to a lack of technical evidence on our end, I've generally left it be, waiting for more evidence. I think that our window on this is closing, given that government partners are becoming more and more aggressive on attribution and reporting on it. I'm going to go ahead with suspension and marking the domain as unsafe. Rebel Inside uh, was a new one for me, too. Uh, Rebel Inside, not Rebel, I guess. Rebel Inside was a new one for me, too. Not even sure what the goal of the account could possibly be other than to highlight unrest in other areas of the world besides Russia. I've already suspended it and marked its domain as unsafe. Well, good job for doing that, I guess, right? Okay. Mr. Taibi, translation, more aggressive government partners had closed Twitter windows of independence. Other government agencies ended up sharing intelligence through the FBI and the uh, FITF, not just with Twitter, but with Yahoo, Twitch, Cloudflare, uh, LinkedIn, even Wikimedia. And here's a documentation of that. Unclassified. This information is provided for intelligence purposes in an effort to develop potential investigative leads. It cannot be used in connection with any foreign or domestic court proceedings or for any other legal, judicial, or administrative purposes. We previously passed you information that highlighted as part of Russian mogul Yevenchi uh, Pegosin's Internet Research Agency, that's the IRA, attempt to den denigrate French President Emmanuel Macron de Cabron's campaign ahead of the late April 2022 presidential runoff election. IRA plans to expose its own troll farms in Benin, Mali, Mali, sorry, not Mali, and Senegal, while alleging that Macron's campaign was the entity responsible for their use and creation. We assess that the following links are also part of the IRA's efforts to amplify the same narratives. Interesting. Wait, are we already in the 40s? Oh, yes, we are. Jeez Louise. Man, this am I reading really fast? I don't know. Anyways, okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm maybe I am reading really fast. I'm not sure. Former CIA agent and whistleblower John Kirako believes he recognizes the formatting of these reports. Looks right on to me, Kiriko says, noting that what was cut off above the tear line was the originating CIA office and all the copied offices. There's your tear line. Interesting, guys. The way they work. Many people wonder if internet platforms receive direction from intelligence agencies about moderation of foreign policy. News stories. It appears Twitter did. In some cases, by way of the FITF and the FBI. 
and or. These reports are far more factually controversial than domestic counterparts. One Intel report lists accounts tied to Ukraine neo-Nazi propaganda. This includes assertions that Joe Biden helped orchestrate a coup in 2014 and put his son on the board of Burisma. What about Victoria Newland? You know, what about uh, former Ambassador Pyatt? You know, what about those guys? What about Ned Price? You know, all of these guys had a hand in all of this. Another report asserts a list of accounts accusing the Biden administration of corruption in vaccine distribution are part of a Russian influence campaign. Man, they blame Russia on everything. Uh, in this campaign report, it says we also assess with high confidence that the IRA was responsible in mid-February 2022 for producing and placing in media and social media information in multiple languages to include French, English, and Spanish on the following two narratives. One, the Western Europeans in Africa were not acting in the best interest of the African nations and specifically were involved in intimidation, coercion, and blackmail in the Sahara-Sahel zone and were not interested in helping to fight terrorism in Sahel. Two, the Biden administration was selling better places in the COVID-19 vaccine countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, and therefore United States corruption was influencing the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines. I never heard either of those two narratives. I guess that means that the Twitter censor team did their job. Often intelligence came in the form of brief reports followed by long lists of accounts simply deemed to be pro-Maduro, pro-Cuban, pro-Russian, etc. This one batch had over a thousand accounts marked for digital execution. Dun, 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 dun. Batch number seven. These accounts were found to be linked to Maduro, Diaz Canal, and regimes, uh, regimes and propagating anti-Bolsonaro pro-Luna Lula hashtags, but have not been previously reported. Interesting. So they're pro-Bolsonaro? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if they're propagating anti-Bolsonaro pro-Lula hashtags, that's interesting. Okay. One report says a site documenting purported rights abuses committed by Ukrainians is directed by Russian agents. Now, this information is provided for only intelligence purposes in an effort to develop potential investigative leads. We assess that the tragedy of Donbass, DonbassTragedy.info, a website documenting purported human rights abuses committed by Ukrainians since 2014, is directed by the Russian General Staff Main Intelligence Directive. Unclassified! Boy, that is the, the collusion, collusion. Intel about the shady origins of these accounts might be true, but so might at least some of the information in them about neo-Nazis, rights abuses in Donbass, even about our own government. Should we block such material? Well, that's a pretty good question to ask, Mr. Taibi. This is a difficult speech dilemma. Should government be allowed to try to prevent Americans and others from seeing pro-Maduro or anti-Ukrainian accounts? <laughs> Is that a question? I know it was rhetorical. 
Often, Intel reports are just long lists of newspaper, tweets, or YouTube videos guilty of anti-Ukrainian narratives. There's your lists. Sometimes, not always, Twitter and YouTube blocked the accounts. But now we know for sure what Roth meant by the Bureau and, by extension, the IC. And here's that statement about the Bureau and IC. It says, the questions we received are attached. I'm frankly perplexed by the request here, which seems more like something we'd get from a congressional committee than the Bureau. There's a big discussion to be had about state-controlled media, which will be impacted by the label launch later this month. But I'm not particularly comfortable with the Bureau, and by extension the IC, demanding written answers here. What's your perspective on how best to navigate? Thanks. Signed, Yoel Wants Miners on Grinder. Okay. All right. So let's move on from that. Mr. Taibbi with quite the drop here to close out the night, huh? We're almost at the tail end of this, guys. Thanks for hanging in there. Particularly if you've already heard about these drops, right? Matt Taibbi says in drop number 55 of uh, Twitter file number nine, the line between misinformation and distorting propaganda is thin. Are we comfortable with so many companies receiving so many reports from a more aggressive government? The CIA has yet to comment on the nature of its relationship to tech companies like Twitter. Twitter had no input into anything I did or wrote. The searches were carried out by third parties, so what I saw could be limited. So they got Barry Weiss, Schellenberger, Fang, and now we got Zweig. At this space for more on issues ranging from COVID-19 to Twitter's relationship to Congress and more, ladies and gentlemen. So what you guys think about that, huh? I'm proud of myself. I finally got through some more Twitter files, guys. I didn't, I did not exploit the zeitgeist, okay? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was information that I think is invaluable, right? And uh, I'm, I'm utterly grateful for the fact that we have the receipts for the information that we already knew about. It had to be this way, ladies and gentlemen. It had to be this way. For whatever reason, it had to be this way. But alas, ladies and gentlemen, we find ourselves at the conclusion of yet another edition of the Sea Report. Thanks again for those of you who stopped on in and said hello, hung out, or or watched the replay. Uh, much appreciated, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'll be back. What is tomorrow? Thursday? Okay. I'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Sea Report at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific Right. And if you're on mountain time, I'll let you figure that one out. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys. I think that's going to call it a wrap. Good night. Good information. Yeah, it was overall very well and done, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for being part of the audience. What's up, Narco Hampone? I see you over there at Rumble. Salute, sir. Proud of your Mr. C. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much, Narco Hampone TV. It's good to see you again, friend. Alrighty, guys, that's a wrap. We'll go ahead and call it a show. <laughs> and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, have a great night, everyone. And as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. I'll see y'all tomorrow.
Take care till then. Bye-bye. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, CloutHub, and Hill.net. Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun. Fashionable. Edgy. Cational. Go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu, use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.